Welcome to What's Up with Betsy Johnson, the podcast from a longtime Oregon legislator and keen political observer discussing what is right and wrong with government, politics, and public policy. All right, Betsy. So uh, once again, we're talking about Oregon's ballot measure 110. Basically, this is a voter passed law that makes most drugs legal, if not all of them. So you've been not real happy about it. I think a lot of people are quite unhappy about it because of the fallout from it. So where are we at with trying to fix this ballot measure? Well, I think we've moved the ball down the field a long way. So let me just say a couple of things about Oregon and ballot measures. We have a relatively low threshold to get to uh, the ballot. And unfortunately, some national organizations are using Oregon as a Petri dish to try to test out some really radical ideas on the national level. And one of them is to legalize hard drugs. The measure came to Oregon via George Soros money and um, and other very, very progressive national figures, Zuckerberg, uh, his wife. And so they poured money into a campaign that I think was a disingenuous campaign from the outset. It ostensibly said you shouldn't go to the joint for a joint. And wouldn't we rather have treatment than uh, criminal sanctions and punishment? Well, on its face, that makes sense. And Oregonians, shame on them, didn't dig much further than that. And as a result, we have legalized, uh, quote, personal possession amounts of uh, the worst drugs, oxy, methamphetamine, fentanyl especially, heroin, cocaine, the list just goes on and on. And while Oregon's drug problem existed before ballot measure 110, ballot measure 110 was an accelerant. And so the idea was that if somebody got stopped on the street and they were using drugs, that once upon a time, the Oregon process had leverage to get them into treatment. Now there's no requirement. It's all voluntary. And so if you want treatment, you say to the arresting officer, nah, I'll just take the citation and I'll sign up for treatment. You don't really sign up for treatment. You call it, well, you throw the citation away is what happens to a lot of them. The other one is you call up and you say, hi, I got a citation and uh, no thanks on the treatment. Now, some of the shadier treatment guys count that as an encounter on the way to clean and sober. I count it for what it is, a phone call to give you license to throw away the citation. We have a paucity of detox and sobering centers. And now we have no incentive to get people into treatment. There is no leverage. And so somebody says, yeah, so I got a citation, big deal. And as a result, the proliferation of open drug usage in Portland has shot through the ceiling. We are, I'm told by police officers, the second largest open air drug market Portland is. Uh, on the West Coast, second only to San Francisco. And I think the popular press, print, and media have detailed San Francisco's problems, and Oregon is right behind them. I was downtown the other day at the corner of 3rd and Davis in what used to pass as Old Town. I was sitting in a coffee shop down there making some phone calls on behalf of the guy that I hope is going to be the next district attorney and get rid of Mike Schmidt. The guy's name is Nathan Basquez. And uh, and so I was down there making phone calls, um, helping to introduce him as a candidate and raise money. And the open drug usage on that corner was absolutely stunning. 
not only the open usage, but also the fallout with people stumbling around in a stupor on the streets in what passed as Old Town. So what we've mounted, and I can speak to it in more detail, but we've mounted an effort to try to say, we're not going to do away with it. We're not going to go back to the old war on drugs, but we are going to provide an alternative that still uses some of the cannabis money for treatment, but also has some sanctions and makes treatment uh, more than just voluntary. So right now, basically, <laughs> they can tell you to get treatment. You can say, no, thanks, and see you later. That's and exactly you, right. So how do you change that? I mean, what do you do? Do you, do you if, if the jails don't have enough room and your treatment centers don't have enough space, what do you do with them? Well, you, you use the threat of some kind of a sanction to drive treatment. You say you can get diversion just like a DUI. Uh, and we're going to have to build more treatment, detox, uh, sobering centers. That's one of the things that we've offered to do out at the Bybee Lakes Hope Center. That's 151,000 square feet of space. And in the discussions, and we can talk about this more too before um, we're done today, uh, we have offered to take some of that space and to try to turn it into a medically supervised detox center and, and sobering center. And so um, it has to be medically supervised. It can't be this hocus pocus of hold the magic feather and suddenly your heroin addiction is gone. It's got to be really medically overseen. So I believe that with the amount of money that's sloshing around, there is the possibility that we can build more facilities or, length, or, or uh, license centers that have demonstrated efficacy, not just the proliferation of nouveau treatment that's popping up everywhere in the hopes of getting some money. So uh, it, it's got to be two things at the same time. We've got to be able to build out the treatment facilities while simultaneously making it more than voluntary to seek assistance. What, uh, what pathway are you guys focusing on at the moment? Is it the legislative path? Or are you going to try another ballot measure to fix it or what? We have a two-pronged approach. Uh, the, uh, approach number one is to offer the legislature some um, language that if they pass it will be the functional equivalent of defanging this bill. The Democrats are very anxious about being painted as recriminalizing drug addiction rather than treatment or reopening the war on, on drugs that was deemed unsuccessful or punishing black and brown people that I, uh, there are many people that think are disproportionately affected. I disagree with all of that. I think that what we are offering is common sense, treatment at the basis of it, reform and um, and an opportunity to try to actually get more people into more treatment faster. There were uh, on the recent TV shows a number of segments about this, particularly well spoken by Kevin Barton, the DA of Washington County, who makes such a credible case for why treatment should be the imperative. Uh, nobody wants to throw a whole bunch of people back into jail. But if the legislature is unwilling or unable to do anything but nibble around the edges, then we are raising the funds. And I'm one of the people helping to raise the money to take this to the ballot measure. And we already have some very well-known, very civic-minded Oregonians who have huge name familiarity putting their money and their name forward for the, the uh, PAC, the political action committee that would run a ballot measure. 
I don't think anybody wants to do that. It's expensive. It's time consuming. The legislature needs to step up and realize that what they have on their hands is just flatly unacceptable. And while they dither, people die. Next year, uh, when the legislature meets again, it's a short session because it's an even year. So it's only, what, two months or something like that? Six Less weeks. Than that. Six weeks. Um, and so do you have any hope that they're going to be able to get something like this done in that short time frame? Well, as part of our effort to um, help uh, ameliorate the incredibly deleterious and negative effects of ballot measure 110, we're reaching out to all kinds of interest groups. We have had emissaries go to the treatment community to talk about treatment. We've involved the DAs, the sheriffs and the chiefs. We have involved Mike Marshall at uh, with his recovery efforts. We are reaching out to all kinds of folks and enlisting their help in trying to, at the bottom line, get people, more people into treatment faster and it's efficacious treatment. So uh, we have people that are working both the Democrats and the Republicans. We have sent emissaries to legislative leadership and the governor. It's gonna take legislative leadership and the governor to be able to really drive the path. Because as you and I have talked about so many times before, people have this kind of erroneous notion that a good idea can come to the legislature and just surface on its own merits and go through an, an unalloyed process of debate and, and vote and consideration by the legislature. I know from two decades in the legislature that that is simply not true and that anywhere along the line, if leadership is not engaged, they can crush an effort at any legislation. I don't care whether it's education reform. I don't care whether it's drugs. I don't care. Name a subject. If leadership and by that, I mean the Senate president, the Speaker of the House and the governor are not on board, um, it dies. While committee chairs in Oregon have enormous latitude, they also bend to the will of their leadership. And so what we're really looking for is true leadership from the governor and the speaker and the Senate president. I have defined leadership as taking other people places you don't want to go. And so I, among others, are calling on Rob Wagner and uh, Dan Rayfield and Governor Kotek to say you need to get behind this because what's happening on our streets, and it's not just Portland, it, this, this problem is metastasizing to other places, is simply not acceptable and can't be the way that we want to define this glorious place that we live, Oregon. I, do you think this is going to be? Do I think it's going to be? I hope so. I really do. I think that no legislator can go home to their district, particularly the more progressive urban Democrats, and look out the window and see what's happening to Portland and know that they have it within their power to change this trajectory. Because the drugs are fueling a, a deterioration of mental health. They are fueling homelessness. They are fueling the importation of more homeless and desperate and mentally ill people coming to Oregon. I was at a luncheon not terribly long ago with Jessica Vega-Peterson, the chair of the Multnomah County Commission, and a very prominent lawyer in Portland, John DiLorenzo, got up and cited statistics from the last point in time count and cited the number of people who come to Oregon because of our laissez-faire attitude about drugs and, moreover, our, our 
compassionate, but I believe somewhat wrongheaded approach to just giving people free stuff to be here on our streets. So a huge proportion of people that are coming to Oregon come for the mild climate, the laissez-faire attitude about drugs, and we end up with this toxic witch's brew of a deteriorating downtown that is spreading to other places as Oregon just sinks in this morass of drugs and homelessness. So do you get the feeling that this is uh, this is something a number of enough people are going to be able to get behind to actually make it pass? Yes, um, absolutely. Come- I I feel that way. And that's just not my opinion. We're uh, going about this whole process very methodically and have done an enormous amount of polling and focus groups. Oregonians are sick to death with this. They don't feel safe downtown. And if they don't feel safe, they're not going to come back to downtown. Downtown already in Portland has huge vacancy rates. And um, we're going to lose our our beautiful city of roses uh, if we can't make it feel as though it's okay for people to relax, um, uh, enjoy the hospitality, the foodie scene, the art scene, the cultural scene, the business scene of downtown Portland, absent the interference of crazed drug addicts. So if you get what you want and this passes, this change passes the legislature, what does the landscape look like a year from now? How big an impact do you think this is going to make? Well, the landscape is, I hope, that deflecting some of this money from providing free tarps and tents and stuff like that. And I know I'm mixing sources of money, but I'm trying to make a point that we divert it into objectively defined um, treatment facilities. And by that, I mean a demonstration of efficacy trained personnel that are well paid to do this work because this is incredibly hard work, a genuine effort to rid the streets of tents and to drive people into a recovery model and putting people back on the pathway of becoming productive citizens. Uh, Is a lot of work going to have to be done? Yes. Is everybody going to have to come up with a plan? Absolutely. One of the principal criticisms that's been leveled against Multnomah County is no plan to deal with homelessness, their fight with the city and the city's fight back with them that most people that I talk to are finding childish and untenable. Um, Get together, write a plan, involve medical experts that are gonna tell us what efficacious treatment looks like, find facilities like the Bybee Lakes Hope Center, put in the equipment, the personnel, Uh, the counselors that will try to help people break the vice grip of addiction. So um, a year is not a giant amount of time, but a journey of a thousand miles starts with a single step. And I think that single step is let's put some accountability around the, the drug scene in Oregon and get us on a true path to trying to redeem some of the addiction that is occurring right now on our streets. And again, not just Portland, it's Medford, it's Eugene, it's Salem, uh, and end the human misery that is occurring on our on our urban streets. Thanks for listening to What's Up with Betsy Johnson. If you have comments or questions about this podcast, please email questions, Q-U-E-S-T-I-O-N-S, at BetsyJohnson.com.